The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. Be encouraged. Your body is going to let you down, but the Lord is not going to let you down. And so be encouraged. He has, as, as I've said to guys, there's, there's still plenty of mileage left on these tires. And be encouraged. And we will be encouraged now to hear from our guest, Robert Walgamuth, the author of Gun Lab, Staying in the Race with Purpose. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Welcome to First Person. Let me thank you for listening to each week's interview here in the program. Our goal is to find people from all walks of life who have surrendered their life to faith in Jesus Christ and trust His Word to save them and carry them through life's ups and downs. If you didn't know, these interviews are all archived on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Just click on the Listen button or download them as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Robert Walgamuth and his wife, Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth, know about the ups and downs of life. In particular, Robert suffered through the death of his first wife and recently survived a bout with cancer. But he's looking ahead in life and has written a helpful book about living the final lap with renewed purpose and spiritual vision. He was with us about a year ago on this program. That program's in the archive. He was in the middle of cancer treatments at that time. But he joined me recently online, and I began by asking for an update on his health. Uh, my health, the last visit with the oncologist said, you can tell people the following, you are in complete remission. Hmm. So that's after two years, I mean, one year of two cancers and, and I feel great. I'm a little tired, mm-hmm. but that's to be expected. And, uh, so I am like my daddy used to say, Wayne, I am rejoicing. <laughs> I don't use that word very much, but my dad used it a lot this time. It really fits. Yeah. So thank you. Well, we're connecting on Zoom for this conversation. I didn't know if I could recognize you with hair again, because last time you didn't have any hair when we spoke. So That's right. Old skinhead. Oh, yeah. It all came out, man. And it all came back. I just got a haircut. So I'm, I'm already in that stage. So I am right. grateful for That's it. That's wonderful. I really am. Thank That's you. really Thanks for that update. But did writing Gun Lap come as a result? You started this book before you got ill, didn't you? Well, that that is a fantastic question because the timing was very similar. In fact, I would say, of course, I'm getting older like you are. And so I'm thinking about what it's going to look like these next years as the Lord tarries and as the Lord gives me strength and health. Uh, and so I think actually, I need to go back in my journal and see exact time, but I think I actually started at least with the concept of gun lap before I got sick and then before COVID hit. So in some ways, both of those things were a gift because I was able to hunker down, nothing else to do but write. Mm. And it also gave me great perspective on, uh, on uh, running the last lap. The book is not about death. It's about life and about living, but about understanding that this could be, oh, it is. It's one of the last laps, and what am I going to do with it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, it was about the same time. Very interesting. Well, you've written many books, I think some 20 books yourself, and have helped hundreds of authors write their books. So you you mm-hmm. saw this theme and you went for it, huh? Yeah, I did. And uh, the, the the idea of gun lap kind of, it probably was in the middle of the night. You know, guys our age spent a little that's time in the when these ideas the come these days, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So uh, two things, 
one was just knowing that that whatever whatever laps I have left, I'm probably finished with most of them. Um, and then the idea of the gun lap, which I talk about in the book, came as a result of helping to officiate a conference track meet when I was a student at Taylor in 1969. That was a long time ago. But realizing how important that lap is, and so it's it actually has really resonated. It's I, I said to Nancy early on, my, my hope and prayer is that this is kind of like halftime. Hmm. Remember when Bob Buford yeah. wrote Halftime? Yeah. I looked at that book in preparation for this interview, yes. Well, there you go. See great minds. Because this what what my hope is, and it's happening actually, this becomes the glossary. This becomes sort of shorthand. So we used to say, I'm in halftime. I've worked on a career and now I'm gonna get moved to another maybe ministry or whatever. That gun lap, and I you you can't imagine how many guys have referred to themselves as gun lappers, my fellow gun lapper. <laughs> so, or my brother who just finished an assignment as president of Youth for Christ has a whole group of guys together that are gun lappers. Is and that Bob right? Lapine, huh. Bob Lapine in Little Rock, pastor of Redeemer Church in Little Rock, just finished going through the book with about 30 gun lappers. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of fun. It's resonating. becoming part of the glossary. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, yeah, it yeah. is cool. Well, I can certainly it's identify with that. Any honest interviewer will tell you that it's not possible to always read the book for the person we're interviewing, <laughs> but, but I have to admit. <laughs> That's all you would do. But at, but at, I have to admit that I read this book eagerly because I am a gun lapper too, you know, yeah, so yeah. thank you for, for your message. You know, well, you, you talk about some you don't have to admit that. You, could, you can be proud of that. You don't have to admit it. <laughs> okay. That's a good thing. Hi, my name is Wayne, and I'm a gun lapper. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne S., and I'm a gun lapper. <laughs> now, you admit to making some rather radical changes in your life, beginning spiritually um, in in your 60s. Yeah, uh, and, and that really was brought on by, well, the number of reasons, but I lost Bobby. I didn't lose her. I know where she is. But my first wife, uh, who stepped into heaven at age 64, we'd been married for almost 45 years. So now I find myself a single man. So the whole landscape changed completely. And, um, and so that, that was a major shift. And I talk about that pretty candidly in the, in the book. And then like today I was talking with somebody about what it meant to be a, a, a man, my age suddenly faced with like, am I going to date? You know, and walking through restaurants and seeing these couples huddled, huddled around these little tables thinking, I'm not going to do that. I'm just I'm not going to do that. You know, give me a singles group at the church or something, but I'm not going to do that. And the Lord, in His kindness, got me back with Nancy Lee DeMoss, who I had represented as her literary agent. So, Bobby's death was a big part of of my kind of reshaping my commitment to spending time every day in the Word. She she was a voracious student of the Bible. I think she'd been through it 35 times. I think that's the right number. And she was an early morning person. I'm early morning, but not compared to Bobby. She was up dark 030 every morning and just studying the Bible, not because she was going to write a book, not because she was going to teach it or preach it, just for the love of it. So when Bobby stepped into heaven, the morning after her funeral, I walk into the living room early in the morning and there's her red chair. And that red chair spoke to me because I had... Wayne, I had been kind of lazy about my walk with the Lord. Bobby and I talked a lot 
about what she was reading. I was teaching, I was writing, but in terms of that absolute non-negotiable hour every morning, I was sloppy about that. And I sat down on that red chair and the Lord said to me in an almost audible voice, all right, it's your turn. Mm. It's your turn to fill this chair early every morning, open the word and spend time with me. And I, I tell you what, I've been so blessed to have made that promise yeah. and to have kept that promise. And then falling in love with Nancy, she's a, as you know, she's a, a Bible lady and she's committed to time in the word. So anyway, it's been, that's, that's, that was a significant change. And I confess that, that in the book, I confess that I was lazy and that, that Bobby stepping into heaven really inspired me to get serious about time in the Word. Well, any effort to make our final years of our life effective for the Lord has to start with that, doesn't it? I mean, how can we possibly be effective without that? It does. It, it, we can't. We can't. Um, and, and so that, that has been very significant. And then praying with my wife, and I talk about that a little bit. Just, you know, Colin Smith, who I know you know mm-hmm. and love, yeah said every major life change begins with a single decision. Hmm. So if you want to lose 20 pounds, if you want to get back in the word, if you want to start exercising, if you want to start eating right, it beca- it begins with a single decision. Now, sometimes you have to make it every day. Yeah. But that, that was a decision that I made, and by God's grace, I've been able to stick to it. Interesting. Let me ask this. What have you learned in the process of writing your book? Well, if you promise not to tell my publisher, <laughs> writing a book, you get a little advance to help defray expenses, but it's sort of like a ticket to graduate school. You're not really ready to write the book until you start writing the book. And then you're doing research, you're reading like crazy, you're, you're, you're uh, watching podcasts, you're whatever, whatever you're doing to get ready for it. So you're really not ready to write it when you sign the contract, mm-hmm. but in the process of writing it, the Lord helps shape your thinking so that you have something to say when it comes time to putting pen to paper. So, yeah, um, you know, what, what I've learned is, and in this case, it was during two cancers and the pandemic, that, um, that hunkering down is a blessing. And, you know, I, I hate to say that because I know a lot of people suffered during those months, but uh, it really gave me a chance to focus. I didn't, I didn't fly on an airplane for 15 months. And with all due respect to the airlines, that was a luxury. That was a wonderful thing to not have to travel, to be able to hunker down. Mm -hmm. And then honestly, so I talk about neighbors, talk about extra time in this gun lap in this season and beginning to love my neighbors. I mean, like what I mean by that is when you drive into the neighborhood and there's a guy out there washing his car, mowing his yard, usually a wave, right? And you keep on going, you hit the button in your car and the garage door goes up and there you you are, you're tucked away in your abode. But stopping, turning the car off, getting out of the car, walking over, you know, who else is going to do that? And I, I love these guys. You know, you got Charlie, you got Bill and you got Rick. And I, I knew them by name before, but didn't know them. And the Lord has really given me during this season, extra time to love my neighbors. It's been a huge blessing. And we'll continue talking about living life with purpose, regardless of our age, coming up in just a moment. I'm Ed Cannon. The Far East Broadcasting Company partners with First Person because we celebrate the stories of people everywhere who have given their lives to Christ and serve Him. Our broadcasters in 50 countries of the world hear stories every day 
of people whose lives are transformed by the gospel and who have faithfully been taught God's word. In addition to First Person, I'm pleased that Wayne and I host a podcast, and we invite you to join us. Listen to Until All Have Heard at febc.org. That's febc.org. My guest is Robert Walgamuth, who is the author of the book Gunlap, Stain in the Race with Purpose. And we're talking about this with Robert after, uh, after many months of uh, covid and his own cancer treatments. And these are just lessons for all of We don't have to suffer something to learn from this book, I guess is what I'm trying to say, Robert, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we, well, I hope not. We don't have no, to suffer the loss of a spouse. We don't have to suffer um, with our bodies, but there are lessons we all can learn. And we all need to be thinking about that. That's the point to be made here, too. We can't just coast oh, yeah. through these years and expect to leave any kind of impact in our family. Well, you know, sadly, you could, but you shouldn't. Shouldn't. I understand. Yeah, yeah, you could. I mean, you got your lazy boy, you got the button on the side, now you now your feet go up automatically. And there is so much on TV or on, on the internet, you you can spend the entire day just surfing around no and get, getting nothing done. Understood. It's so easy yep. to yep. do that. Yeah. All right. Well, as I read your book, uh, either the, these are words that you used or cropped up in, in, the, in the narrative or they're cliches that I thought of, but I want to run some of them by you. Okay. One is that you've earned retirement. What does that say to you when someone says to you, you know what? You've earned retirement. You know, you, you, you need to slow down and just enjoy. Ah, wow. That is so good. Um, so in some ways you have, you know, Nancy and I sit down with, uh, the team that is so kind and helps us kind of map out our financial strategy. So you look at the numbers and you see a little dividend from something that you invested in and you say, now, did I earn that? Or was that like a gift? Well, in many, in many ways, it's it's a gift. It's a gift of having invested your money well. So you get to this point in your life, you say, okay, is this a gift or did I earn it? And what am I going to do with it? So my, my contention, first, first of all, is don't feel bad about relaxing. You worked hard. Mm-hmm. If you're my age, you worked hard. But it's, so you've earned it to a degree, but it's also a gift. It's also, and, and, as the Lord gives you strength, that's a big piece of this. As the Lord gives you strength, there are so many things you can do with this gift. You didn't earn it. It was a gift. The Lord gave it to you. And what are you going to do with it? How are you going to use these months and years for his glory? And I, I mean that with all my heart. That sounds like a horrible cliche, but it's really true. And so I find myself with more courage. All right. So I got nothing to lose. I'm 73 years old. I have nothing to lose. So at some level, I feel sorry for the guy that picks me up in the Uber because he's going to get the gospel. So, you know, and it's funny because I sit in the back of the Uber car. This happened last week. And I'm thinking, okay, this is what I normally do. I start the conversation, ask him if this is his hometown, about his family and stuff. But you know what? This isn't going to be that long a drive. So I'll just wait. And then I'm reminded the apostle Paul said this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He wouldn't have said that if he hadn't fe- felt the sensation of being ashamed. Right. Or he wouldn't right. have said, yep. I'm not ashamed. Yeah. So I, I say, all right, and whatever the guy's name was, uh, tell me about your family. Do you, is this your home, Tom? And before we got, I got out of the car, I prayed with him. And I, that's, I'm not boasting, Wayne. I'm not, because I've missed far more opportunities than I've taken throughout my life. But this is a time where I don't have to worry about what people think of me. Surely not in the Uber driver, because I'm not going to see him again. 
But this isn't about making a name for myself. This is about seizing opportunities to serve the Lord in a very simple way. Yeah. And, it, you know, not only should you not be ashamed, you got to embrace the fact that this is the easiest thing you've ever done to say to somebody, how can I pray for you? And I've done this uh, since marrying Nancy in the last six years. I bet I've done this 150 times. That sounds crazy. But this is the second time the guy today did. the Lord has spoken to me through someone like, I was listening to a message with Philip DeCourcy earlier today, and this is the very thing he was talking about. Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch and, and how yeah. he took advantage of the opportunity to just sit down beside him in his car, so to speak, you know, and, yeah, exactly. and, and follow those opportunities that were spirit-led oh, opportunities. So, right. And and people are so eager to have this conversation. Yeah. They are. I don't care what their background is. Nobody doesn't want to have a conversation from um, from a person who doesn't have a dog in the hunt. This isn't about me. This isn't about, boy, I sure hope I'm, you know, I'm collecting scalps or notches on my belt. This is out of love and uh, an honest eagerness to know who this person is and then to bless them by praying with them. Hmm. It, it, it's actually, it's fun. Yeah. I know that sounds really nerdy, <laughs> but it really is fun. And I get a chance to do it at my age. Don't you find that even though the pace may change in this gun lap, perhaps maybe your, your effectiveness is even greater. Do you sense that? Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if, if you really are a, ser- here is a serious runner, I talk about a guy named Ralph Foote, who I've had now the joy of spending time with. I wrote about him actually before I'd ever met him, even though we went to the same college. And he did say in that race that I talk about in, in the book, that eighth lap was actually the fastest lap of that particular race. Here's why the effectiveness, I think, is enhanced, because you've got a resume of experiences. You're not bringing just textbook knowledge about life or about the Lord or about God's word. You're bringing the, the smell of smoke into that conversation, into whatever you're doing. You know, it's, it's like my, my wonderful friend, R.C. Sproul. Nancy was speaking with him about radio, and, and she visited one of his uh, recordings, and she said, how long did it take you? to prepare for this 15 minute or 30 minute broadcast he said five minutes she said what (laughs) over 45 years of walking yes right so that's what you have when when you're in this season you've got a backlog of your own failures and sins that lord willing you've learned from of relationships broken and whole of all kinds of things that you bring to the conversation and say you know what this is what the Lord has taught me through this experience, through this opportunity to live this life. This is the kind of stuff, in fact, they talk about mentoring. It's the ROI chapter, that, that God doesn't just give you this experience so you can hang on to it and sit on it and chisel it on your, turn, on your tombstone. It's, it's the Titus 2 guy. You know, here's, here's what I've learned from life, and now I'm going to take this opportunity to live this uh, as an example of what it means to walk faithfully with Christ all yeah, these decades. Yeah. Perhaps it's we can take cool. a step back. We're not striving as much as we would have in midlife. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're, <laughs> we're just sort of easing down the road, counting on that experience which the Lord has given us. It's all of him anyway. We understand that. That's right. Here's yeah, another and, cliche. And I get, you, you get this, do you watch, you know, you watch TV late at night or cable, whatever. You see these ads for guys and they say they're like 65 or 70 years old. And they are cut. They look, you know, right? And you're thinking, you know what? If I just buy that little piece of equipment, I'm good to go. And then you, then you turn the TV off and you look at yourself and you say, 
that ain't gonna happen. Yeah. And I'm good. With, I'm good with that. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. Here's another thing you sometimes hear people say as an excuse: "That's just the way I am," and they resist change. Uh, yeah. So this this is this is the self conversation chapter, and actually that was another inspiration to write this book because I found myself in the night getting up like guys our age do, going back to bed, not being able to go back to sleep, and then listening to voices in my head. I know this sounds like some horror movie. I don't mean it's not that, but it's just self-conversation. That's the name of that chapter. And I found myself very critical of the day before. You know, a phone call that I didn't do a good job on or a conversation or a comment that came out of my, my mouth to my wife that wasn't kind. And I found myself being very critical and Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great Welsh preacher, I found this amazing quote. I put it in the book. He talks about the fact that we shouldn't be listening to ourselves. We should be speaking to ourselves. Mm. We should be speaking truth to ourselves. We should be saying, and you know, Zig Ziglar, I knew Zig, one of my very favorite human beings. But way back in my 20s, Zig challenged me to do this, to speak good words to yourself. In fact, when I was, when I had the opportunity of raising my daughters, our daughters, you know, what, what you do is you say things like, you know, honey, that's not like you saying things. That's, that is not like you. rather than, well, there you go again. That's just like you to mess up your room or say a silly thing, but you speak truth to your children. And the truth is you speak truth to yourself. Yes. So that's a big part of this. Okay. Robert, Final word to the person listening who's in that uh, time of life that you call a gun lap. The gun goes off and it's our final lap or one of the final laps. Um, final word to us all. Uh, it's, it's the first two words when I have the opportunity to sign a book for somebody or to send a book on Amazon and they give you a chance to fill out a, a gift card. Be encouraged. Hmm. Be encouraged. Your body's going to let you down. It is. It's gonna. You're gonna get up and you're gonna sit on the edge of your bed, and the world is spinning, or your knee hurts, or your body is gonna let you down. But the Lord is not gonna let you down. And so, be encouraged. He has, as as I've said to guys, there's there's still plenty of mileage left on these tires. And be encouraged. The worst thing that could happen to you and me, Wayne, would be to be discouraged and to feel like there's just no use. But there is use. There's, there's a lot of good that we can do. You know, find yourself at church when they ask for a volunteer, whatever. You put your hand in the air. So be encouraged. That's my message. And message received from our guest, Robert Walgamuth, the author of Gun Lab. We'll have additional information about Robert and his book at firstpersoninterview.com. If you'd like to listen again or share this program with someone, please use that same website, firstpersoninterview.com. Bringing you these weekly interviews is made possible by the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company. Why? Because the stories of lives changed by Christ are celebrated by all of us. And FEBC wants you to rejoice at the stories of people turning to Christ wherever FEBC's programs are heard. On the website, febc.org, you'll find inspiring stories of people in far corners of the world who are listening to FEBC and giving their lives to the Lord. More at febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to First Person. First Person.